Welcome back to Activity Quest, the podcast that's packed with stuff to do. This week, Adam's off to see the first ever computer at the National Museum of Computing in Bletchley Park. My name's Bex, and every episode of Activity Quest starts with a fun kids presenter doing something awesome. This week, Adam's off to a very special place, used during World War II by a team of code-cracking experts. My name's Frank. I am a bomb operator and demonstrator, and I take people through the Enigma, which is the German machine, and the British bomb, which was the machine that broke it. And when we say bomb, we're not talking kind of bang bomb. So the machine is called a bomb in uh, deference to the Polish people who helped Alan Turing when he was designing the machine. Um, Some of the work they'd done on a previous machine, which was called a bomber. And because it was so useful to him, he wanted to keep the name going, so he called it a bomb, just changed the A to an E. Um, And it was a good code word as well for in the war, because everybody talked about bombs. So if someone overheard you, they wouldn't think you're breaking um, encrypted messages. They think you're talking about something that falls from the sky and goes bang. It is loud. It is loud. I'm looking forward to how loud it is. Are you ready? I'm ready. What the machine's doing, it's rotating all 12, because you need 12 pairs, it's rotating all 12 virtual enigmas, and it's looking for a position where all of them line up, so their plain letter becomes their cipher letter simultaneously. When it does, it stops, and then it gives you information about what the, uh, the original enigma setting had to be. So it will stop automatically in just a moment. Once it's stopped, the information on the side of the machine is what the wrens who ran the machine would use to work through the next step, which is using another machine called the checking machine. Um, Once they've done all of that, all of the information is given to the mathematicians and they go away and they calculate all of the remaining unknowns. Um, And on a good day, as I said, about eight o'clock in the morning, they know the key of the day. And so this at play during World War Two, and then right here in Bletchley Park, we had a team of uh, scientists and experts trying to essentially crack what turns these letters into the gobbledygook so that we can intercept back. their messages and figure out basically Indeed. what's going on. Indeed. And the whole thing, the, the security of this system is the uh, way you arrange the remo- removable parts. Um, and so the number of ways you can set the removable parts, uh, if it's very large, means that even if you've got the, the cipher text, the gobbledygook, and you've got a machine, you've got to try every one of those settings before you can find the one setting that was used at the sending end. Okay? Um, so the military version of the machine, um, is uh, they added another complexity to it to give it more settings of what is called the key of the day, because it changes every day. So for, to read that message, you need to know the one setting that was used out of the total possible ways you can set the key of the day. Okay? And on the military version, the, you can set it to 159 million trillion possible settings. Um, to size that for you, so it means something, it's nearly the same as the number of seconds in the lifetime of the universe. The number of seconds since the Big Bang. So it's a very, very big number. So that when this machine was analysed by the Allied cryptologists, they told Churchill it's unbreakable. 
There is no way you're going to find one setting out of that huge number in any useful timescale. So my name is Storm Ray. I am the Head of Learning and Development here at the National Museum of Computing. I am also a student at Edinburgh University studying digital education for my master's. The National Museum of Computing houses the largest collection of working historic computing machines in the world. We are situated at Bletchley Park, which is the birthplace of computing. Um, We are home to the only working reconstruction of what is arguably the first computer, Colossus. It took 12 years to build. Um, I know. It is the only working version in the entire world. We have a couple of unique machines in our collection, and we specifically use them to teach about current technology... Um, and building digital literacy through interaction with historic machines. So most people don't realize that the Enigma machine was only used for low-level German intelligence, things like the weather forecast and supply lines. The super-secret strategic information was encrypted using a far more complex machine called the Lorenz. Now, the Lorenz can generate 10 to the power of 170 different different possible combinations. If you were going through all of those by hand, it would when you started at the Big Bang, you would still be going now and you would be barely halfway through. Colossus finds the settings of the Lorenz machine so that we can read those intercepted messages. Colossus is the first computer ever built. It is housed at the National Museum of Computing because this is the building that it would have been housed in in World War II. We are in the first purpose-built computer center. We were built specifically to house this machine. We housed eight by the end of World War II. And our machine stands exactly where one of the originals stood at that time. So what, the, what they did was they brought 200 mathematicians here from Oxford and Cambridge University, the best available. They all made a contribution, but the two key names for us are Alan Turing and Gordon Welshman. And these two really led the battle. Um, but what the mathematicians did, they came up with a way of breaking into the machine called a probable phrase attack. What they'd realised is if you could guess a piece of plain German that the Enigma had turned into that string of gobbledygook, you can relate the two and you can say what setting of the machine turned my plain piece of German into that gobbledygook. And that's what the machine does. And the machine does it by taking the gobbledygook, lining it up with your, your plain phrase, or we call it a crib, and it's a plain word. So you line up plain letter with cipher letter. Each letter in pairs, you load it onto the bomb, and then you run the bomb through every possible start position, 17,500 start positions, and if it all lines up, the machine stops and tells you enough information for you to find the key of the day. Oh my goodness. Thanks, Adam. Uh, That's the National Museum of Computing. Now, if all that code cracking chat's got you curious, here's a craft that you can do at home. Let's bring a piece of computing history back with us to create a paper circuit computer. It's a simple working circuit that you can make at home and learn a bit about how computers process information. 
For this craft, you'll need some basic materials, a sheet of paper, a watch battery, an LED, by the way, that stands for light emitting diode. You can find these on Amazon or at a local hardware store. Copper tape, you can find this at a craft store or online, and some small pieces of colored paper or stickers for decoration. For the first step, take your sheet of paper and draw a simple computer or robot on it. This will be the screen of your paper circuit computer. It's time for step two and you need to place the LED where you'd like the computer's screen to be. Make sure the longer leg, the positive side, is above the screen area. For step three, attach one end of the copper tape to the positive leg of the LED and extend it to the edge of the paper. On to step four and you need to attach the other end of the copper tape to the positive side of the watch battery. In the next step, step five, attach a new piece of copper tape from the negative leg of the LED to the negative side of the coin cell battery. For step six, press the LED down gently to the paper, making sure the copper tape sticks in place. And for the final step, step seven, decorate your paper circuit computer with colorful paper or stickers. You can add buttons, a keyboard, or even a little smiling face to your computer screen. You've just created a working paper circuit, and it's as simple as that. Now, when you touch the copper tape ends together, the LED should light up. How cool is that? This is how computers process information by allowing or blocking the flow of electricity. All right, just like that, we are done. Remember, there's loads of episodes of Activity Quest that you can go back and listen to at any time. If you want some more suggestions of stuff to do, just scroll back in your podcast app and pick an episode you like. I'm Bex, and this has been a podcast from the UK's children's radio station, Fun Kids. It was produced and edited by Adam Stoner. Listen to me on your DAB digital radio, online, on the free Fun Kids mobile app, and on your smart speaker. Just say, play Fun Kids every weekday from 4pm. See you soon.